thank God, uh, by the wonders of technology, I am able still to be with you in this form. So I bring you greetings, um, as well as much love and prayers. You're much in my thoughts, as is your leadership team, at these challenging times. Uh, I'm speaking, as I've been asked to this morning, if you're watching this in the morning, uh, on the topic of self-denial in an age of self-fulfilment. Self-denial in an age of self-fulfilment. Uh, part of an interesting series, again, that the, your church is embarking on at the moment uh, in Sunday morning teaching slots. I, those of you that know me well will know that my, uh, my training at university, if you can call it training, uh, was in English language and literature. And I am passionate about books. You can see the evidence of some of that. Behind me, those two bookcases uh, are two of, I think it's nine large bookcases that we've got around the house, full of books that are old friends to me. And uh, in terms of English literature, I uh, remember well when I first stumbled across uh, one of the extended nonsense poems, although actually it's full of meaning, uh, of Lewis Carroll called The Hunting of the Snark. If you haven't read it, I recommend it to you. In The Hunting of the Snark, one of the key figures is the bellman. And uh, the bellman is literally that. He's a mariner with a bell on the boat that goes hunting for the snark with a collection of random odd characters. But the bellman has uh, an odd little phrase that he repeats again and again throughout the hunting of the snark, which is subtitled An Agony in Eight Fits. And his phrase repeated is thus. What I tell you three times is true. What I tell you three times is true. I want us to read uh, a phrase that, uh, a couple of verses actually each time, that appear three times uh, in the New Testament, and therefore it ought to catch our attention. Anything that's repeated more than once in Scripture uh, ought to catch our attention because it's repeated deliberately and for particular emphasis. But this phrase, the very words of Jesus, appear three times in the Synoptic Gospels. That's the three Gospels from the Greek Synoptic that, that sees things from a parallel perspective, different but from a parallel perspective. So uh, as they appear in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, and look, and the fourth gospel, John's gospel, written very much later on for very different reasons. So we're going to start uh, reading this, uh, this, these, this phrase repeated three times in Mark's gospel. And the reason why we're going to start in Mark's gospel is because it's the earliest of the gospels, of all of the gospels. Um, it's also, interestingly, the source gospel for much of what we read about in Matthew and in Luke. More than 50% of Matthew and Luke seems to have taken its source from Mark. Uh, Mark, the young man who fled and shrugged off his clothing to do it at the arrest of Jesus. Uh, not one of the original 12 disciples, probably about a 15-year-old boy at the time of the events that he describes. Uh, Mark's uh, source itself is actually Peter. He's sitting at the feet of Peter, uh, almost certainly in Rome, when he's writing these things down. 
So we'll start in Mark's Gospel and chapter 8. Uh, it will help you if you have that in front of you. We're going to look at the other three, the other two synoptic Gospels as well. Same phrase, Mark 8, verse 34 and 35. Self-denial in an age of self-fulfillment. These are the words of Jesus. Chapter 8, verse 34 and 35. Then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples and said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will save it. Whoever loses his life, as it says there, for me and for the gospel will save it. First thing I want to draw your attention to there in uh, verse 34 is uh, the people that Jesus is speaking to. This is not teaching which Jesus restricts to his disciples alone. Then he called the crowd to him along with the disciples. In other words, the teaching of Jesus about self-denial here is for everybody, not just those who are on his side, those who are for him, but also those who are against him. This teaching is for everybody. It's universal. And the reason for that is because it works. It is the best way to live, to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow Jesus. When it talks there in verse 34 about the his disciples, the word that's used there in the Greek is the most common word that's used through the whole New Testament for disciple, which is the word mathetes. And that word literally means a learner doer. So somebody who learns, somebody who is therefore humble, somebody who's going to make mistakes, somebody who's going to embrace risk, someone who learns, but who learns as they do. They don't learn and then do, they learn as they do, they're a learner-doer. So they're a learner, but they're also a doer. They're not passive, their discipleship occurs in a context. And the command of Jesus to his disciples, his mathetes, his learner-doers, is to deny themselves. The word in the original language in New Testament Greek for deny that we read uh, there a little bit later on in verse 34, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, is the word, the Greek word aparneomai, aparneomai. And literally translated, uh, because I think it, it helps us a wee bit more, that word aparneomai means to forget oneself, to lose sight of oneself and one's own interest. To forget oneself and to lose sight of oneself and one's own interest. So that self ceases to become the main focus and the main priority. It is no longer... Uh, the, the prism through which we view everything and through which our actions proceed to deny yourself. And uh, how do they do this? Well, they deny themselves and then they replace themselves with something else. They take up their cross and follow Jesus. Interesting, isn't it? What's this about a cross? 
why are we reading about a cross when later on in the New Testament the Apostle Paul will talk about only one cross and that, and that is the cross of Christ Jesus and will speak of that and boast of the, the cross of Christ and that empty Christ crucified and resurrected and, and, and Paul is at pains to point out that nothing can be taken away from the work of the cross and nothing can be added to the work of the cross so if it's the cross of Christ which is all consuming and all important why do we have to take up our cross? What is, what is that about then? It's certainly the, the gospel writer calling on a, a, a very real and very terrible image that his readers and his listeners would be familiar with. For the cross under Roman rule was the main means of execution, a, a most terrible means by which thousands and thousands of Christians would be martyred in the life of the early church a, a wooden stake inserted forgive the detail but through the length of their body um, uh, and then then covered in tar and, and and set fire to to provide lighting on the apian way on that is like like street lights a, a terrible and ruthless way of death what what cross is this that that jesus is talking about well, of course, what he's talking about is not his literal cross, where he dies on the cross in order to defeat sin. He defeats Satan in the wilderness and he defeats sin on the cross. This cross symbolizes dying to ourselves. We die to ourselves. We choose to carry this cross. We choose to die to ourselves. And, and instead, what do we do? According to the words of Christ here, we follow him. The Greek language there is akalutheo, akalutheo. And, and it's, a, it's a phrase, again, which literally means, doesn't mean, and we look, which way did Jesus go? Oh, did, oh he went over there, we'll go over there. It, it doesn't mean physically following in the footsteps of, it means literally to become a disciple of. It refers to how Jesus describes himself in John chapter 14 and verse 6 where he says I am the way the truth and the life and in describing himself as the way he's saying follow therefore follow me which is why the early Christians didn't call themselves Christians at all that was a word conjured up for them by their enemies it meant little Christ or a small imitation of the real thing uh, and was first used of them we read in Acts 11 uh, in Antioch but originally Christians called themselves followers of the way disciples of Jesus Christ Akalutheo. and verse 35 makes the point really clearly does it not for whoever wants to save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it if you want to keep hold of stuff if you want to build stuff for yourself <laughs> you might be able to have it now but you will ultimately lose it all but if you're prepared to lose sight of yourself prepared to lose stuff that is simply to do with you and yours then you will save your truly save your life for all eternity and all four of the gospels including john's gospel use this phrase if you want to keep it you'll lose it if you're prepared to lose it you'll save it in fact in 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 matthew and in luke's gospel that phrase occurs twice I guess I'm reminded of another word that was used of, of, of early 
Christians, followers of the way in the early church and indeed it's recorded for us in scripture and that is that they are described as martus. Uh, gives us the English word martyr because as as they witnessed the word means witness as they witnessed to their love of Jesus and their following of him it could often cost them everything including their lives and I, I love the phrase that we read here at the end of verse 35 whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel that's interesting isn't it so you die for Jesus or you die for the gospel why why is that well because Jesus and the gospel <laughs> are one and the same thing jesus is the gospel the good news of jesus christ so that's the first place of mention in in the earliest of the synoptic gospels mark's gospel chapter eight come with me now if you would to the next place of of mention it's it's actually not possible to tell um when Matthew and Luke's gospel were written except that they were almost certainly written well they were written later than Mark's gospel Mark's gospel may have been written as early as AD 40 but more likely in the early 60s and certainly before AD 65 uh, because of uh, huge events that happened then for the Jew that get no mention in any of the gospels but Matthew and Luke written some time after Mark's gospel, Mark being the source of much of Matthew and Luke. And we read the same phrase now repeated for the second time in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24 and 25. And I'll read it to you again because of it, it, the uh, all repetition deepens impression. All expression deepens impression. So I will read it again, but also... Um, there's a slight difference in 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 this version as well uh, that we read in Matthew 16 Matthew 16 verse 24 and 25 then Jesus said to his disciples doesn't mention the crowd here just focusing in now on the disciples just as I'm focusing in now on you as followers of the way then Jesus said to his disciples if anyone would come after me he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. So the two differences that we have there in the second uh, repeat uh, is that there's mention not of crowd, but only of disciples, a real focusing in on the followers of Jesus here. And also, if you lose your life for Jesus, there's no mention here of the gospel. So the focus is right on the disciples and the focus is right in on Jesus I think uh, it will help us even further uh, if we read together now the third place of mention um, of the same phrase the words of Jesus to his disciples and to the crowd and this we read in Luke's gospel uh, and in chapter 9 so Luke's gospel chapter 9 and here it's verse 23 and 24 and again I want to read this because there are some added benefits here some some added principles here uh, that we don't read in the other two places look chapter 9 verse 23 and 24 where Jesus for the third time uh, is reported as saying this then he said to them all so we've got the crowd back in again here now 
If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Again, no mention of the gospel there. The focus is right in on Christ. It's almost like all the bases are covered. If you put all three mentions together, what I tell you three times is true, all the bases are covered. It's the disciples, but it's also the crowd. It's losing your life for Jesus, but it's also losing your life for the gospel, because Jesus and the gospel are one and the same thing. But the interesting additional bit here is in verse 23, the use of that little word daily. He must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, I, I often think about this visually as a, as a you're following Jesus. You're on a path, you're the path of discipleship. You're following Christ in your journey through life. And it's almost like every time we reach a crossroads, we have a choice of direction we have a choice as to which way we will go will we go our own way will we deviate from the way of Christ or will we go God's way it's a crossroads of decision and do you know what the reality is we have those decisions to make on a daily basis there are daily opportunities to go our way or to go God's way to follow Jesus on the path of discipleship to deny ourselves or to prefer and prioritise ourselves. It's a daily choice. It, it reminds me actually of some of my uh, life verses that I've spoken on before in Three Counties Church and verses which I absolutely love and which you find in Romans chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 where it talks about us being living sacrifices as we yield surrender to God as we give ourselves to God as living sacrifices and there's that picture again of not a once and for all decision that we make for Jesus but rather we're not a dead sacrifice we're a living sacrifice we have to present ourselves daily and Romans was written to a bunch of people Romans and Jews who understood the notion of sacrifice but not of living sacrifices this need on a daily basis to choose our direction, to resolve our decision, to follow Christ and to deny ourselves, to yield. And as someone once said, the problem with the living sacrifice is it keeps getting off the blinking altar. And I guess that's what you and I can do as well. In an age particularly of self-fulfilment, we can fail to take the words of Christ seriously and the path of self-denial. One of my great heroes of the faith is A.W. Tozer, a Pentecostal minister who wrote a series of articles, many of which have since been drawn together into books that have never been out of published since he died and that he wrote mainly in the 1930s. A.W. Tozer said this, People who are crucified with Christ have three distinct marks. Number one, they're facing only one direction. Number two, they can never turn back. Number three, they no longer have 
any plans of their own. And I love that. Once you're consumed with love for Christ, you are constrained, as the Apostle Paul says, not to turn back. Jesus himself said it, don't turn back, put your hand to the plough and go forwards the Jesus way. Facing one direction, refusing to turn back and with no plans of our own. And that's a better way to live. That's a kingdom way to live. Kingdom culture which is counter to our current culture, which is consumerist, <laughs> which is hedonist, which is self-centred. That is the spirit of the age, where self-fulfilment is the ultimate goal. But the Jesus way is the way of self-denial, the ultimate goal. That doesn't mean deliberate suffering or, or self-hatred. That's not what Jesus means when he talks about deny ourselves. But rather, in the language, the literal language that he uses, to lose sight of yourself and of your own interests. And to follow Jesus as on a path of settled destiny. Three Counties Church, I've put some questions together for you to engage with this topic and these passages uh, in small groups this coming week. But for now, let me finish by asking you this, these two questions. Where in your life right now, currently, have you not denied yourself, but rather indulged yourself? Where have you not? And second question, and where have you still to? Not that you've refused to, but you just haven't done it yet. A sin of omission rather than of commission. Where have you ruthlessly refused to deny yourself? And where have you yet to become aware of your need? To die to yourself. I think if we could all live denying ourselves, taking up our cross and living for Christ, we would be more like him, we would be closer to him and we would be a better image carrier of him to others. That's my prayer for you church. A great privilege to share with you this morning. God bless you all.